O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praises in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, growing up about 15 minutes from my house or so was a restaurant named Brian's Steakhouse. May it rest in peace. You see, it went out of business, at least this location did, and I attribute that entirely to the fact that every Thursday evening all summer long, they would have a $9.99 all-you-can-eat ribs special. An incredible deal. And what made this deal even better was not only did you get unlimited ribs, it also came with two sides. I'd always get the mac and cheese and the golden baked apples and oh, it was incredible. But the deal got even better. You didn't just get the ribs, you didn't just get those sides, it also came with unlimited dinner rolls, which featured the most exquisite cinnamon butter you could ever imagine. And I'd always invite a small group of friends and we would enjoy everything about that experience, the ribs, the sides, the cinnamon butter. We would enjoy each and every one of our all-you-can-eat experiences, save for one time. It was actually the last time we ever went to Brand Steakhouse. You see, I made a mistake that evening. Instead of simply inviting friends to partake in the experience, I invited an enemy to have a seat at our table that night, and he ruined everything. You see, he turned a pleasant evening of rib eating into a rib eating competition. And I'm telling you, this competition ruined the entire experience. I thought I could take him. I truly did, St. John's family. I thought wrong. I have never seen anyone, at least a human being anyways, eat the way that this man ate. For him, it wasn't so much all you can eat as you can eat it all. And he truly tried to eat it all. He came pretty close, in fact. And the worst part was, throughout this entire competition, he still had enough room in his mouth to talk trash to me the entire time. He would look up over his ever-growing pile of bones, and he would say things like this. He'd say, wow, are you even going to get your money's worth? I mean, look at that scoreboard. It's not even close right now. Oh, and by the way, it looks like you're leaving a little bit of meat on the bone there, fella. I'm not even sure that one should count. And his words, they would ring and sting in my ears. And I'll tell you, I couldn't enjoy any part of that experience. I couldn't enjoy any part of that incredible deal. Not the rib, not the apples, not the mac and cheese, not the cinnamon butter, not even the company. And I actually left Brand Steakhouse that night with a terrible feeling in my stomach. And it wasn't just because of the nearly three racks of ribs that I had consumed. No, I attribute it mostly to the fact that I was keeping score in a situation that I should not have been. In fact, I'd go as far to say that keeping score, it ruined everything. Believe it or not, that is the same lesson that Jesus wants to impart on you all through the parable that was featured in our gospel lesson today a parable that we're going to talk about in depth as we continue our sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. In this series, we're taking a look at what it looks like for us to live under the kingship of Jesus as subjects, as children, and his kingdom. And he wants you to know that in his kingdom, there is a certain situation where if you keep score, it ruins everything for everyone at the table, most of all, 
you. That situation is, of course, when we keep score of the sins of others that happen to us. Let's take a look at that parable now and see why it's so dangerous for us to watch that scoreboard. It begins with these words. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? A little background on Peter's question here. At this time, and in this place, in this part of the world, amongst Jewish people, it was traditional, if someone sinned against you, you were to forgive them up to three times. If they sinned against you a fourth time in a similar fashion, you no longer needed to forgive them. They should have learned their lesson by then, right? And that's actually a pretty good deal, isn't it? You think about the world today. Most people wouldn't forgive you if you sinned against them one time, let alone three times. But Peter, he suggests an even better deal. He basically says, Lord, I wouldn't just forgive him one time or three times. I'd forgive them up to seven times. What do you think about that, Jesus? Well, Jesus, he doesn't think much of it at all because Peter is still making a mistake when it comes to living in God's kingdom. What is he doing? He's still keeping score, isn't he? It's a better deal, not just one time, not just three times forgiven, but seven times. But he is still keeping score. And if you learn anything today from this message, hopefully it's this. We don't keep score in God's kingdom when it comes to the sins of others because it ruins everything. And Jesus basically tells him as much. He says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times you are to forgive them. Of course, to that you might say, well, pastor, hold on a second here. It kind of sounds like Jesus is keeping score. It's a better deal, right? Not one time, not three times, not seven times, but 77 times forgiven. But he's still keeping score, isn't he? Well, no, not exactly. He's not literally saying that you should get out a little notebook and tally down each offense that happens against you up to 77 times. And then on the 78th time, you say, I no longer have to forgive you because Matthew 18, 22, Jesus says that I don't. No, what he is saying is that you forgive someone as many times as necessary. That you never keep score. You forgive them if they sinned against you one time, three times, seven times, 77 times, or 70 times, seven times. You forgive them as many times as necessary. And then he tells this parable to illustrate that point. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 gold talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So we have a parable of Jesus. And of course, you remember that a parable is a teaching device that Jesus would use, where he'd use earthly examples to illustrate a heavenly point. And to understand that heavenly point, you've got to understand those earthly examples, which begs the question then, what is a talent? That man, he owed 10,000 gold talents. What is a talent? Well, you might be surprised to hear that a talent, it's not a unit of currency. It's actually a unit of weight. A talent in this part of the world at this time would have equated to about 75 pounds. And so we can actually calculate in a certain sense what this man owed in modern dollars. And I will always calculate this out every time I preach this particular sermon. 
he owed a lot. We know what the price of gold is at market value today. And so this man, 10,000 talents times 75 pounds times $27,268, which is how much a pound of gold goes for at market today. And we can calculate that Mr. and Mrs. Unmerciful Servant owed approximately $20.451 billion, with a B, dollars. That's quite the debt, isn't it? That's exorbitant. It's laughable. In fact, as the people listened to Jesus tell the story, you know what they would have done when he said 10,000 gold talents? They would have loved. They'd have said, oh, that is silly, Rabbi. That is ridiculous. How could anyone acquire a debt like that? But what's even more laughable is the unmerciful servant's response when the master calls in the debt. What does he say? He says, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. I'm good for it. I swear. $20.451 billion. He's never going to pay that back, right? What's his profession again? Oh, yeah, he's a servant. He's never going to come up with that money. It's not like he's just a little bit short. It's not like he has a few billion on him and he'll come up with that last couple billion dollars. He's good for it. He'll never pay that back. He's in rough shape, which makes what happens next such incredible news for him. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Can you imagine? Think about the time in your life when you have been the deepest in debt. And someone came along and canceled all of that debt. What a weight that would be off of your shoulders. And this, he had $20.451 billion of debt entirely wiped clean, entirely gone. Incredible news. And I think for most of us, we would love that story to stop right there, wouldn't we? That's a feel-good story, isn't it? But unfortunately, there's that second half to the parable. We know what happens next. It says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him with some pretty familiar words. He said, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Oof. Once again, a little math is in order because we can calculate in a certain sense what this fellow servant owed in modern dollars. Because we know a denarius is the equivalent of a single day's wage at this time and place for the average worker. And this man, he owed 100 denarii. And so we can look up the average wage of a U.S. worker, which is about $46,000. That's the median U.S. salary. We take the five working days in a week, and if he worked every work day in a week, that'd be 260 days. 46,000 divided by 260 times the 100 denarii that he owed. And you can trust me on this math. My wife checked it. It is $17,692.31. That is how much he owes his fellow servant. That's a lot of money. At least it is to me. 
If someone owed me $17,692.31, you know what I would think every time I saw them at the market or down the pew from me? I'd say, hey, there's that guy that owes me $17,692.31. It'd be tough to forget. And our unmerciful servant, he doesn't forget, does he? But what does he forget? He forgets that he had just, and I mean just, been forgiven of a debt that's over a million times greater than that. And when the master hears how this unmerciful servant is acting, let's just say he is none too pleased. It says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is the gospel of the Lord. That is a tough one to hear, isn't it? And it's tough because we know exactly what metaphor is being painted here. A parable, a teaching of Jesus with earthly examples to make a heavenly point. We know what those earthly examples represent, and we know what that heavenly point is. And if you missed it entirely, Jesus makes it very clear in the last verse of our gospel lesson. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And so we know. We know what represents what and who represents who. That unmerciful servant, that's you. That's me. And that fellow servant, that is someone that you haven't forgiven and that 100 denarii debt, those are the sins that happened to you that you have not forgiven, that you have not canceled. Despite the fact that you have a master in God who canceled your 10,000 gold talent, $20.451 billion debts worth of sin. And you say, Pastor, I know I've done some bad things, but come on. 10,000 gold talents, $20.451 billion worth of sins. I haven't done anything that bad, have I? Are you sure? Are you? Because your sins, my sins, they did that. They put Jesus on the cross. That is our 10,000 gold talent debt right there. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you had been the only person in existence for you to be forgiven, Jesus would have had to do just that. That is your 10,000 gold talent debt right there. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you had been the only person in existence, Jesus would have done just that, just for you. He would have still lived his perfect life and died his perfect death and paid the debt that you owed for your sins. He would have canceled your debt entirely. And that's exactly what the master does. Notice he does not consolidate the debt into one low monthly payment. He doesn't cut it by 90% and say, that's a good start, isn't it? You just got to come meet me in the middle somewhere, pay that last 10%. No, he cancels that debt entirely. He tears up that IOU entirely. He nails that to the cross. Don't forget it. And yet, so often we do forget. Maybe freshly off of hearing the gospel at church on a Saturday night 
or on a Sunday morning, something happens. Someone sins against you and you demand pay. You owe me for what you did to me. I can't forgive that. You're watching the scoreboard all of a sudden. If that is you, stop doing them. I think the reason that so many of us find ourselves doing that is because we don't understand what is my very important point for the day. We constantly forget that we have a very real enemy in Satan. And what does Satan want to do to you? He wants to destroy you. And the best way, or at least one of the best ways he can think to destroy you is to point your attention to the scoreboard. You have a very real enemy in Satan who loves to sit at your table and point out the scoreboard, point out the sins of others that have happened against you because he knows it can make you bitter. And that's exactly what it does. When you start scoreboard watching, you become bitter and you become unforgiving and you put that other person in a prison of your own unforgiveness. And with your bitterness, you know what you're going to do? You're going to do your best to make everyone else around you bitter as well as you demand payment for what they did to you. And Satan loves to do this in big relationships and small. Maybe you have a marriage that you really, really enjoy. But every once in a while, if you let the enemy have a seat at that table, he starts pointing out the scoreboard and that can ruin everything. Or maybe you have a job that pays you oh so well and a good relationship with your boss. But you let the enemy have a seat at the table, he starts pointing out the scoreboard and it can ruin everything. He gets in your ear and he says things like, he never notices anything you do around here. Or are you really going to let her treat you like that? And then he says, wow, are you even getting your money's worth right now? I mean, come on. Isn't a marriage supposed to be 50-50? It's not. It's supposed to be 100-100. That's one of those lies that Satan likes to tell. He draws your attention to the scoreboard. He says, are you even getting your money's worth? Look at that scoreboard. It's not even close right now. And all of a sudden, you forget what a great, incredible deal you have in Jesus' forgiveness. And you're bitter. And you have a horrible feeling in your stomach. And you demand payment. And we do this in all kinds of ways. Maybe you get your payment back through the silent treatment, the cold shoulder. Maybe you withhold your love. Maybe you go and you vent about that person to anybody that will listen to you. And oh, by the way, Satan loves when he gets us to vent because you know what that does? It makes us relive that offense over and over and over again. And we turn a single denarius debt into a 100 denarii debt by just reliving it over and over again. And then we demand payment. And like I said, he does this in big relationships and small. Have you ever been cut off in traffic before? That's a single denarius offense if there ever was one. And yet we demand payment and we take it back in some way or another. Or maybe the cashier has been rude to you. Or the waiter gave you the wrong order. And we demand payment because we are keeping score. 
stop doing that. In God's kingdom, what don't we do? We don't keep score because it ruins everything for everyone at the table, most of all, you. If you find yourself scoreboard watching, I've got a couple pieces of advice as we close out this message today. First, make sure you are reminding yourself of God's truths daily. You need to get into God's word and remember that gospel because we forget it each and every day. You need to remind yourself of the 10,000 gold talent, $20.451 billion debt that you were forgiven of. You need to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. And as you remember that, and when there are those times when the enemy, when the devil gets a seat at your table, you tell him those truths. You remind him of them. You say, as he tells you the scoreboard that, I am forgiving that person, not because they deserve it, but because Jesus forgave me when I didn't deserve it. I'm tearing up that IOU and it has nothing to do with them. Maybe they don't deserve it at all. But that's not why we forgive. We forgive because of how much we have been forgiven. That's what we do as subjects in God's kingdom. And my prayer for you this week is simply that you do those things. Dig into God's word. Remember that great debt that was entirely canceled, that you have been entirely forgiven, and then go and do likewise. Forgive others in Jesus' name. Amen.